Good morning. So you need to get ready, if you're able to, to stand up and read from a Bible. Now, there are some team coming around. If you haven't got a Bible with you, a physical one, or on your phone, NIV version. So Kerry, we'll only just give them to the people who haven't got one. So the team are coming. You're all going to need one. You're all going to stand together in a moment. They're coming around upstairs as well. So pop your hand up if you don't have a physical Bible with you and you haven't got uh, electronic. It's not on the screen. What? It's not on the screen? No, it's not on the screen. Outrageous, because the Word of God in our hands. Screens are brilliant, but it's not going to be on the screen. So put your hand up. Kerry, we've got some people at the front. So hand up. You're all going to need it. You're all going to need it. And uh, if you're new to us and new to this, and this feels a bit weird, uh, essentially this is just marking that we believe this is the living Word of God. Okay, the living word of God. He inspired all the women, all the men who were involved in the writing of this library of God's word to us. And we believe the same God, the Holy Spirit, God with us now, is here and will inspire us as we, as we read it. So he's going to take these words and some of them will just mean exactly what they kind of say in the, in the moment. But he's also going to take some words and give meaning for you personally this morning. That, that's what happens when we say, yes, God, that's what I'd like to happen. Okay? Um, if you've been ever lucky enough in your life to receive a love letter, just looking around... I presume what you did is you you kind of put it on the bedside table and you said, during the night, it's just going to... Of course, because it's the Word of God, you might put it in a drawer even and say, it's just going to... You'd read it. Would you read the love letter? You know, got a text in the next few minutes from your most significant, whoever that is. And if my mum texts me now, I'm probably going to read it. You ready? Are you ready for this? We're NIV, the nearly infallible version, I hope. <laughs> and I'm going to read it here. So is that okay? And, and standing might feel like, is this just a bit of religious kind of stuff? Because you may be aware that lots of churches do do this. Um, we're not going to process the gospel, okay? Good news, all right? I'm not about to kind of go... But, but I love the power of God's word in our midst, yeah, anyone here need wisdom? Yeah? Anyone here got any questions? You know, they're not quite sure what... Anyone? Anyone interested in knowing more fully who they are as a person? Yeah? Anyone interested in purpose for life? Yeah? Anyone ever faced any difficult questions about... Yeah. Wouldn't it be just amazing if God had spoken to us? Just, Lord, if that's an idea for you, if you're able to, let's stand together. We're reading Ephesians chapter 1, and we're reading from verse 3. That's what you've got on the bits of paper, 3 to 14, and it'll be in the nearly infallible version. Now, what's going to be a struggle is that in the original language that this was written in in Greek, so um, one of the reasons that that some of us like the NIV is because it's a very close translation of God's word to us. I I particularly also love another version I'm going to be referencing called the message. What the message version of the Bible does is it takes the idea in each sentence, 
in each little pericope, each little bit of the Bible, and it communicates that idea. We'll all know phrases that we use, and they don't mean exactly the exact sort of sense of the words. They, they communicate the, the idea. So the message version, a freer version, I'm going to be referencing it. But the NIV is sort of kind of... Now, in the Greek, this 3 to 14 is one sentence. Okay, who loves the fact that my teachers were wrong when they told me I had to do shorter sentences. They weren't. It's, it's a gushing overflow. It isn't going to quite work like that because the English is a little bit kind of... Uh, uh, uh. Okay? But just have that sense. It's a gushing overflow. So, so Paul, who's written this, the follower of Jesus Paul, he's written it to this place, Ephesus. Ephesus is this commercial center, this Roman government center. It's got a, a, a temple in it to the goddess Artemis. And um, uh, it, yeah, Paul is writing it to newish Christians, although it's one of his latest letters, it's one of his later ones. So unlike the first letters that Paul's written, where he's often addressing a problem, here what Paul is doing is actually speaking out loads of stuff that God has put into his heart, invested in him. And it's kind of like the themes from his earlier letters... He's now saying, you know those things I was telling you in answer to that problem about how to get on with people or that, that kind of question you had about do we have to keep the old religious rules that we were brought up with or you know, what does it mean that Jesus died on the cross? He's kind of saying, taking all those themes and he's now bringing them out. Are you ready? Let's go together. So it'll be a bit mad, but God is, you know, it's fine. Okay, so are you ready? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ in him we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Ah, goodness, Lord, some of you are really religious. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well done. Have a seat. Whew. 
What's the best letter you've ever, ever received? Here's a couple. Uh, the first one of these, the one on the uh, left, as you can see it, was written to President Eisenhower by a bunch of girls who were really upset that Elvis Presley was going to lose his hair. When he was signed up, if you know Elvis Presley, am I, yeah, people alive, great. Um, some of you are too young. Elvis Presley, Jamie, was quite a well-known singer. Um, <laughs> so when he was enlisted into the army, they wrote to the president, oh, you know, don't cut his hair off. Don't cut his hair off. The other one was, uh, is the envelope of the, the letter that was written to Walt Disney, uh, by Walt Disney, when he was writing to the cartoonist who created Mickey Mouse. And in it, he just finished with the words, don't hesitate, do it now. Write and draw uh, Mickey Mouse. Could you imagine God writing directly to you? Do you, do you hear that? Do you have that sense? This, uh, this amazing book of Ephesians, if we, if we look at it, if you're, uh, you haven't got it on the bit of paper, but those who've got a Bible open or switched on, the first little verses, for those of you just on the paper, um, read like this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, every letter that Paul writes, he puts his most important thoughts, doesn't he, in the beginning and then he comes back to them at the end. That's a, a model of ancient letter writing. So Paul, an apostle of Christ. For those of you who don't know apostle, it's a, a messenger. It's a, a speaker of truth. It's got a real sense to it. Not only do you sort of say something, but as you say it, you bring it into being. It's a powerful kind of dynamic um, that, that some people, when they're reading, you know, what does it mean to say the word of God? It literally brings it into being. It's, by the way, why it's so important to read God's word out loud. Because have you noticed there's something in our human mind and being that when we choose a word, you know, if you're one of those people today who's going through really challenging times and you've had a conversation with someone and you, you, you might hear yourself saying, ah, I think the word I would use is... And you might have had that experience when someone else, like me, tries to put a word in your mouth. Oh, what you're feeling. And you go, no. Stop it, pastor. Mum. Welcome online. <laughs> so it's got that sense. God's word has the... God's word, when it's spoken... It never comes back empty-handed. That's an amazing truth. That's the living word of God. So already, God is doing something in some people's hearts and lives right now and online because we've read God's word together. Paul's an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. It's not his own choice. To the saints in Ephesus. Oh, clearly that's wrong. It ought to say to the people who are still sinners waiting to find out if they're going to be saved. Yeah, he's got that wrong. In Ephesus. Or maybe he hasn't. Come back to that. Now, some manuscripts don't have in Ephesus. So a lot of scholars really would say we can be absolutely sure about who wrote this book, Paul. We can be absolutely sure that it was written to the church in this port, this Roman commercial area in the Aegean bit of Turkey right now. Um, but some manuscripts don't have Ephesus because lots of Paul's letters were intended to be circulated to other places as well. And what people think is that some of the manuscripts which were intended to be be circulated, have a blank. I love what John Piper, who's a, a biblical theologian, biblical, you know, great guy, says. He says, can you imagine putting, I've not got to that quote yet, sorry. Can you imagine 
putting your own name in that point. So just let's just hear it again. Paul, an apostle, are you ready to say your own name? Hoping you've got your own name. Are we all with that? Yeah. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, get ready, to the saints Yeah, so, I'm assuming you know your own name. (laughs) I've not been clear in my communication in the way that God is. Say your own name. Sorry. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saint. So, friends, if you're a follower of Jesus, do you look in the mirror and do you see a saint? Do you see a holy person? Other translations. Do you, do you see, what do you see when you look in the mirror? Friends, those of you who are, who are gathered here today, and you wouldn't, say, you wouldn't easily say that I'm a, a follower of Jesus. You're, you might use the, the, the word Christian. You wouldn't easily say that. Is there any sense that when you look in the mirror that what you're seeing is what you, what you kind of imagine or have even been told that the whole world sees? Or, or you even look underneath the surface, underneath the face that you put on. And you kind of think, if you knew my heart, if you knew who I am, you certainly wouldn't say I'm a kind of holy person, I'm, I'm, I'm a saint. Because you see, Paul goes off on one <laughs> for 14 verses to tell you something really fundamental Um, This is the pinnacle of his writing. John Piper did say it's the quintessence of his theology. It sums up all the key themes found in his earlier letters. It carries them forward to describe Paul's fullest understanding. Spurgeon, a great biblical scholar, much older, said, Whosoever would see Christianity in one treatise, one kind of single written piece, let him, them, let her read, mark, and learn, inwardly digest the epistle to the Ephesians. Because Paul, within a lot of very pregnant words in those 14, 14 verses has had two crunch images for us to grab hold of when we look in the mirror. The first is redemption. The first is saying he's taking an image from the marketplace. Here's a chain. He's taking an image from the marketplace. Is it behind me? No. Can we put the chain up? Thank you. He's taking this image of the broken broken chain. There are many images in Scripture for what Jesus has done, what God has done for us on the cross. If you've done an Alpha course, and, and by the way, just absolute, you know, if you've got any questions about any of this stuff, Alpha is the thing for you. There's, you may know that in the Bible, you've got the, you've got the picture of the home. Many of us love that picture of the father embracing the child, the prodigal son that had left. There's, there's the picture of the temple where, where there's purification, the sacrifice that God has made, has made for us. There's the law court. There's that sort of sense of you get sentenced, you know. Sin means that this is your penalty. The penalty is, and Jesus gets up and says, it's paid. 
But here in this word redemption, in this pregnant word redemption, in this full word that just means so much more, is this image of the broken, the broken chain from, from the marketplace. You see slaves with their freedom bought. Can we just pop it up again, Cheryl? Thank you so much. You, you see When you look in the mirror, do you ever feel like you've got some chains around your neck? Do you ever feel like you're walking kind of with the chains? And I I do recognize as a white middle class man that I'm able to allude to the sense of slavery without any awareness of that person. I realize there are friends in this church family where this carries even even greater resonance and power. Just look at that image. What is God saying to you when he speaks? His words bring into being what is promised. The second image, and here's a picture to go with it, that that Paul uses, and and we've heard it, I'm sure, is of adoption. Adoption. Given the full rights of new family membership. Adoption. Again, I'm really conscious that some watching online, some in this room, this may be very personal experience for you, and I, I... I recognize that for us in our human world and brokenness, these these words can be powerfully great words or they can be really challenging words. But God, our perfect father, says Paul, our perfect parent, has released us, has bought us at a price and has adopted us as his children. Who here today is hearing this now, in this moment, for the first time? Who here today and online is being reminded of this truth? Who here today is being prompted by God the Holy Spirit that when you look in the mirror, you don't see a sinner waiting and hoping that you're going to get to the pearly gates and you're just again about to fall exhausted over the line. But that God sees you as one that he has chosen to embrace. This 14 verses are full of so rich words. Um, When my mum says um, to me, says, right, I, I know it's not only that. <laughs> do, you, do you have anyone in your life who says, Okay, I see. 
Paul uses a lot of deeply theological thinking about God words in this passage. Not got time to go into them, but if you're not in a life group, as Tim said already, and you'll be thinking about these words this week, uh, get into one of our Ephesians study groups. So these are only going to last the time of this series. You can sign up for them at the welcome point today. Get together with a group of people, because this was written to community. This is written to community. All of Paul's letter are you. Someone I was at a conference said it's like the kind of you apologies anyone from Liverpool or other places use use God has done this for use us so you're not going to get to the bottom of God's word you're not going to really hear what he's got for you friends I don't believe unless you're doing it with others But here's the first one. Let's just quickly go through the song. Blessed. Did you notice that? Verse 3. You're blessed. In our culture equals probably something akin to lucky. But in the Bible, it's got two flows. Blessing to God. We bless God. That sounds weird. Well, we bless God for who he is. And then the other flow is we say, thank you, God, for the blessings I have received for your favor. Blessing flows in the two directions. Paul says in, the, in those 14 verses, doesn't he? God's our creator. He's also our father. God is his power, his goodness. Bless you, God, for who you are. Bless you, God, for who you are. And yes, then bless you for what you have done in my life. And the blessings are in the heavenly realm, better than anything that the earthly realm could ever offer. You may notice as you look at that verse, and they're spiritual blessings. So they're better than any material thing. And it's not just for some, it's use. Oh, actually, so I've made a real bad mistake. Sorry. It's for use. It's for use. It's for use. God's purposes are not for a holy club. Sometimes I think the world revolves around me. Apparently it doesn't. Secondly, we're chosen. Do you notice that in verse 4? Another word that is incredibly rich. Haven't got a moment or two to do justice to these words today, but hear them. Blessed. Chosen. And did you notice, as we read through and you read it again and you'll get it if you're in those study groups, you're in your life group, notice the blessings of God are not random or arbitrary, but they're planned and deliberate. This is all part of God's plan. God created the earth and the created the world, and then he sends Jesus to bring greater blessing. It's not a plan A and a plan B. It's always from the beginning. This is a deeply Trinitarian Song, possibly this was a song. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Son Jesus was there at the beginning of creation. We are chosen by God's plan and in God's will. Now the word chosen and the other word in verse 11, predestined, are complex and contested words. 
Of course, there's a direct question and implication. If some are chosen, are others not chosen? Some are chosen, could others potentially um, never be chosen? Is it, though, maybe about God's knowledge, his foreknowledge, 1 Peter, where does God know the choice that we're going to make, even if in the moment we have all of the options of choice? If that hasn't started to hurt your head, you haven't begun to do any theology. But friends, the critical thing, those are important questions, real questions. I noticed two things, that God's choices are always good. I secondly noticed that Jesus has told me to go and make disciples of all nations. I noticed that in Acts chapter 1, he said, share the good news of Jesus with everyone. These could be distractions from the personal implication of this word chosen. God, out of his free choice, as part of his plan, has chosen you and me. We're not at the mercy of world events. We are walking the center line of eternity that is God's story. What do you see when you look in the mirror? You know, maybe you were like me and always chosen first at school in the teams. Wasn't that a great feeling? Maybe like me, you had the feeling of you were the last. Have you ever been chosen for a trusted task? Has someone said, you know, would you do this for me? And you just, how it feels to be trusted and chosen. It's any of those feelings (laughs) magnified. Do you know when you look in the mirror that you are chosen? And then there's that word, verse 5, isn't there? Adopted. In the Greek, literally placed as a son, as a daughter. It actually doesn't appear in the Old Testament really very directly as a word. And it's clear that Paul, writing to this Ephesus scenario and context in the Roman Empire, is connecting with a Roman way of thinking about adoption. Although in the Psalms, David is told by God that you are my son. It's intimate. It's relational. It's not a religious club. If under Roman law you were adopted, you gained immediately the same biological rights as as anyone who was a a biological child of that family. And also any debts, anything that you kind of brought with you was immediately removed and taken away. It's got that double sense. Adoption is a powerful thing now, isn't it, to think about. Sometimes we we, we focus on adoption as as a need, which it is. More people in Christian churches need to be ready to adopt and foster. If only one family in every church did it, we've been reminded once or twice over the last years, we'd wipe out the number of children with nowhere to, to call home. It's got power to it. 
I love my Auntie Wynne. We used to go on holiday every year to Auntie Wynne's house in North Norfolk. She was part of the family, Auntie Wynne, but except she wasn't biologically. Anyone else got any random aunts, random uncles? Again, take that sentiment, take that sense, and... Again, for those in this room where adoption, that word brings a sense of pain. God sees you. Of course, the implication of that we've been adopted is that before being adopted, we were orphans. Spiritual orphans. Every single one of us. If, if God chooses and knows our need to adopt us into his family, that, that picture of embrace. And the power of feeling like an orphan spiritually is enormous. My sisters and brothers in Christ, I need to say to you that some of us struggle with life because within us is this this spiritual sense of being an orphan, of, of not really belonging. And some of us, you know, are able to sort of kind of, in a sense, demonstrate that easily in a kind of, you know, help me way. Others of us mask it very well, especially especially white middle-class men. We'll, we'll express control, we'll express power. We'll get cross about things. It's quite a dynamic, isn't it, to get cross about things? Because if you're cross about stuff, it's a kind of, oh, now, here's my agenda. Deal with this stuff. Deal with that stuff. See, what you're not really engaging with is what you see when you look in the mirror. Do you see someone loved, chosen, adopted, blessed? Or frankly, if you can't even name it, do you see someone who doesn't quite feel connected, doesn't quite feel at one with themselves, let alone at one with God, let alone at at one with everyone else? And, and friends, please hear me. We've been doing some work about this as a church, about those, someone like me who thinks typically, neurotypical, and those of us in the room who are more diverse in our thinking. And we don't, you know, we have to be careful about this because I, the little I've been helped to understand, little in the sense I know I've got so much more to learn by my brothers and sisters in this church family about neurodiversity, is it, it, you can feel this feeling of not quite connecting, not quite belonging all of the time. But there's this thing that a reality is we're born in this world. We don't have this connection with God. And that, that sense of being an orphan, of not quite belonging, of not being quite sure. Maybe again, and I recognize the pain of this, maybe you sort of grew up, you weren't even quite sure if you belonged in your biological family. God has done something about that. We're blessed, says Paul. Yous are blessed because God Almighty, the creator of the whole world, the father of all, has said, you belong to me. You have the full status of a child of mine, my son, my daughter. 
And he kind of says, and if anyone comes and tells you anything different, send them to me. To the saints, to the holy people. I am really not looking forward to dying. But I'm not afraid of death. I, I'm not going to get to the pearly gates. They probably don't exist. And sort of, <laughs> um, well, God, look, I've got, here's a sermon I did in 2013. It was really quite good. Um, oh, what else have I got? I'm sure. Uh, a baptism certificate. Um, any good? No. Uh, <laughs> and this is not just for me. This is for use. If you are uncertain about the, any of these things, again, come on an alpha course. Because the truth is, the creator of the world says, I've adopted you, chosen you. Forgive me, no time to go into this, but you'll discuss it, I'm sure. Did you notice, and I'm sure some of you turned to each other, well, I can see some people in the room who would have done, and said, of course, Andrew's not really talking about the eschatological perspective. Uh, what Andrew's not really got time to talk about is do you notice how the whole of this is looking forward? The, the whole of this is a work in progress. The whole of this is about a God who is claiming and putting all things together. The analogy in the Greek is towards adding up correctly, making things add up properly. This is the God who says that he, who, who, who at the beginning, Paul said, grace and peace to you. It's his common phrase. Grace from the Greek Peace connecting with the Jewish Hebrew sense of shalom, of rightness, of completeness. But of course, there's an order. You have to receive God's grace, don't you? You have to know who you are in God in order to walk in peace. You can only be holy and blameless. You can only be holy in the sense that you are at peace, purity in yourself, and then blameless at peace in your relationships with others if you know who you are. But it's a work in progress. Don't worry. It's a work in progress. We're getting there. My last big word. Well, it's Paul's last big word that I've got, I've got time for. Uh, sorry, <laughs> last but one. Um, no, last one. Sealed. That's right, we're nearly there. How can you be sure? How can you actually be sure of everything that I've just said, that it's true, that it's for you? How can you be sure about God? How can you know that this stuff is not just away with the fairies? It's the sealing of the Holy Spirit. Charles writes and signs that he's going to become our king. Physical seal. You've had letters. Some of you got certificates on your walls. Sealed. Physical sign. Old Testament, in the Bible, lots of physical signs for God's people. They're my people. Get lost. Don't touch them. I own them. Protect them. Physical. But our sealing of all of this, blessed, chosen, adopted, redeemed, is not a what, it's a who. Paul says, gushes out, 
the Holy Spirit, God with us now, God in our hearts, the one who occupies and inspires worship here, but also tomorrow morning at our desks. He is the seal on our hearts, in our lives. He's a deposit, says Paul, of all the bigger story. He's not limiting God, uh, Holy Spirit to be a little mini-me of God. <laughs> but he's just saying that, that in this world, in the now and the not yet, in the becomingness eschatological, in the becomingness of everything that is, is going to happen in this final day of history, which is when Jesus returns. In the becomingness, we are not left to rely on our own sense of truth. We have the Holy Spirit. And it's not a it. It's all about who. Again, whenever you use any analogy, you just have to be so aware, don't you, of the resonance of this. But just I hope it'll work. And I, I just, again, for those of you for whom even what I'm about to say just is painful. Nikki and I got married 33 years ago. My dad did the deed. He said lots of words that sealed it. We went over in those days to a table and we signed registers. It was sealed. But shall I tell you the most important thing? Is that when we left the church, we got into the same car. What would have happened if all of that sealing, <laughs> and then we'd got into different cars and gone off in different directions? Would it have been a marriage? Well, legally, in a sense, yes. <laughs> but it's not one I would have wanted to live out for 33 years. So I'm trying to say to you, this sealing of the Holy Spirit is both an event and a process. Saying yes to Jesus is both an event and then it's a process. So friends, we're journeying together. Paul is going to spend all of the rest of the chapters and we're going to go into them in a lot of glorious detail, talking about the privileges and, yes, the responsibilities. And here's the summary of those who are blessed, chosen, redeemed, adopted, sealed. Here's just some words from the message version. If, you've, if I've managed to completely confuse you, here's what the message version of, uh, and it's just summary of some of, the, some of the verses. Here's the summary. How blessed is God? For who he is. What a blessing he is to me. The favours I've received. Long, long ago, it's a plan. It's deliberate. He decided, we're chosen, to adopt us into his family and through Jesus Christ. Through what Jesus did on the cross. As Tim said, through his blood. That's the only sufficient way of the price being paid, the penalty being paid. And then it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Why didn't you just read that out at the beginning, Andrew? It would have saved us a heck of a lot of time. 
So Simon Sinek says, the mind can be convinced, but the heart must be won. John Stott, who wrote about Ephesians, said, this is not um, Paul arguing us. He's not arguing points to make us believe. It's a prayer that we will receive all that God offers. Paul's prayer to you today, God's prayer to you today, through the reading of his word, is that you will receive, you will choose to receive all that he offers Do you want the gift of complete sense of secure identity? Do you want to walk in grace and peace? If your heart's not one yet, but you feel any tug this day, you could come to the front in a moment and you could just say yes. That would be such a privilege for one or two of us just then maybe just to connect with you. Here is a moment where you could say yes. If you have heard in anything that God has been saying in this, in this time, or maybe if your heart's not one yet, you'll come on Alpha on Thursday. You'll bring a friend. Identity, purpose. Verse 15, it was the end, wasn't it? Living for God's glory. That's our purpose. Worshipping him in our words and actions, cooperating with him, the Holy Spirit, the seal, the deposit, the guarantor of everything. You're in hard times, you want to say, Andrew, yeah, but if you only knew, Paul wrote this from prison. He was in prison, imprisoned by Romans. He wanted them to hear, those soldiers that they were adopted Are you in a life group? Can you journey together? If not, what about an Ephesians group? If you want to dig a bit more into these deep theological words, then join us on Thursday. Thursday, I'm doing an overview of the Bible. We've got a group on neurodiversity. And under the Learning Hub, we're going to have lots more things as well. If you don't feel you know the whole story even of Scripture, come on Thursday. Let God's Word speak to you. We are here, we're going to find out over the next few weeks, to know who we are and to know our purpose, the restoration of all things. God's not a replacement God. He doesn't scrubble up and say, he restores, he redeems.